Welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this episode, myself and Kelly chat with Laura Holman. She shares her experiences of career changing into accountancy and how she's managed starting studying towards her professional qualifications. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. I am doing it live from our Cambridge Centre. I've stayed on tonight at work, although when I'm at home, I'm still at work, I guess, but actually in a classroom. And I'm joined tonight by a fantastic group of students who have logged in, but also Kelly O'Donovan. Good evening, Kelly. Good evening, Ben. You've got me again. So we had to take over last week, didn't we, Ginny and Shelley and me on the podcast. But um, Dave has had to go to a very important school event tonight to discuss one of the children's trip to New York. So um, you've got me instead. So really excited to be here again. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join us and a big thank you for covering for myself and Dave last week. I've listened back to the session. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. And it's always nice to listen back to the sessions. I don't I don't like the sound of my own voice. So I very rarely listen back to my own sessions. I do and fast forward through my bits and listen to the guests. But it was really nice to listen to a session where you, Kelly, uh, Kelly, um, Ginny and Shelley, um, we're having a, a really good chat and sharing some really good thoughts on stress and well-being. So thank you so much. Thanks. No worries. Excellent. Well, this evening we are here. I'm in Cambridge, as I say, and for the pleasure of the people who can see me live on the webcam, I've got a really nice first intuition sign behind me. We've had um, the final stages of our classroom refits in Cambridge finished this week where they put up some signage in each of the classrooms. So I thought I would show that off on the webcam for those of you listening to the podcast. You obviously can't see it, but I've got a really nice green on brand screen behind me with First Intuition in big, big letters. But it's not just me and Kelly and the live audience this evening. We've got a guest. And so I'm going to introduce her now. I'm really pleased to introduce her because Laura, who joins us this evening, is a fairly regular attendee of the student forum as a student herself. And she reached out to me a couple of months ago and said, Ben, I really like the podcast. I like the forum. And she's always joined in in the chat box and shared her thoughts and ideas, which is great. But she said, I'd really like to come on and be a guest. So before I do allow her to, to get a word in edgeways, I'm just going to say if anybody else listening to this thinks I would love to come and join Ben and Kelly or Dave or whichever combination of hosts we've got on that evening, drop us an email, please come on. I think it's really good for us to hear different voices and different ideas, but really good for the listeners to have people that are going through similar things to them and can share challenges and solutions that they've come up with. So good evening, Laura. Hello. Um, when we have a guest, we always do a bit of a backstory. If Dave was here, he would talk about superhero movies. I'm not such a big fan <laughs> of superhero movies. I can say this tonight, Kelly, can't I? Because he's not here. But I'm I'm not really into the Marvels and the, the DC comics and stuff. But Dave always talks about in those movies, they have a bit of a background. How did the person get their, their skills and get their superpowers? So what's your what's your background, Laura? How have you got to your position today? Well, the reason I um, kind of offered to to come on the the podcast was because um, some others have told me that I've got a bit of a um, an interesting backstory, and that is um, that I am previously a primary school teacher, and I have recently um, undergone a 
a career change um, and I'm now pursuing a career in accountancy. Um, I thought that was quite an unusual thing. People have said that that's an unusual career change. Um, I have actually seen a couple of other people make comments in the chat on these student forums though, saying that they are also previously, uh, have also previously been teachers. So um, it may well be that I'm not the only one here this evening. Um, so there we go, that's, uh, that's why I'm here. I'm not sure what that says about the education uh, of, of what it's like to be a teacher. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> lots of things, lots of things we're going to explore. Um, a couple of things I'm interested to hear, and I'm sure listeners are interested in your, your thought process with regards to going into accounting, having done something previously. And then also yeah. um, for the students and studiers, how you are dealing with the, the study side of your professional qualification journey as an accountant. So mm. backstory back to teaching. But, but what did you know about the world of accounting in your days before you actually actively pursued a, a career route into it? Not very much <laughs> is the very short answer to that. Um, my dad is an accountant, um, but that doesn't mean I knew anything about accountancy. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I, I grew up seeing him put on a suit every day and go to work. And that was pretty much the extent of my my understanding um I think I probably thought uh it was looked a bit boring um didn't really understand what he was talking about when he came home used to I used to overhear him talking to my mum about his day and just like blank that out didn't really didn't really understand it, it started to get a little bit interesting when um he got into fraud investigation and forensic accounting and things like that but I still I didn't really understand I just thought he did things with numbers um and I, I didn't really think that was um for me I just always seen myself as a, a people person and um and so I on leaving school and doing my A-levels decided to um go into psychology and um pursue a career in psychology um I was while I was at university became very interested in educational psychology and developmental psychology um, so I trained as a teacher um, I was quite keen to pursue a career career in educational psychology um, so I trained as a teacher um, and then had a kind of 10-year period of, of having my own children and bringing them up so um, I was a, I was a very part-time teacher for a while um, but carried on with the teaching and um, and so that's um, yeah, but my my knowledge of accountancy during that time, pretty much nil. <laughs> so what was that big tipping point then, Laura, where you suddenly went, accountancy? <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. seems like a, a good idea. Yeah. What was that kind of light bulb moment or that? Yeah. yeah. Well, how, how did, how, like, <laughs> how did the, how did the mindset? then change. Yeah, it does it does seem like quite a big leap doesn't it yeah. from, I'm a primary school teacher oh no I want to be an accountant um well I think probably for me it was it was more of a slow build than that I it became clear that I um I didn't really want to be a teacher I um you know I never set out to be a teacher I wanted to you know pursue a career in psychology but during that 10-year period of me um having children they they changed the criteria for entering that profession and um I wasn't going to be able to afford to take a big career break to do a PhD which was going to be what was required for that so so I kind of felt a bit stuck as a teacher really and accidentally so and and I, I love teaching I really did enjoy being a teacher and um 
I still have a like really strong passion for education. Um, but for me, though, I I wanted to grow in my career and, and I felt like as a teacher, there was only one direction for me to go in, really. And that was to go into school leadership. And, and I really felt that wasn't for me. Um, so my my dad, I'm going to go back to my dad with his boring suits job at a desk. Um, he now runs his own business in um, forensic auditing. And and he knew that I was kind of thinking about different um, different careers options going forwards. And um, and he had an opportunity to um, get involved with just running his uh, payroll um because the person who had previously been doing it had, had stepped down and and so he said you know do you want to just help me out with this learn about payroll and you know do it one day a week whatever alongside teaching I was like oh yeah all right I mean sounded a bit boring but you know might as well um and actually I really enjoyed it and and I was surprised at how um how involved it was I you know I I thought I would be bored at home um not talking to anyone all day and um but it wasn't like that at all it was um it was interesting and um so I I went to my dad and said you know I'm really enjoying this like is there any further opportunity for um for me to learn about what you do and um what it would look like for me to have a have a career in you know some kind of finance role but um and he encouraged me to have a look at apprenticeships um and I, I had never, it had never occurred to me that I could do an apprenticeship because um, I think I think back to my school days um, and I think there, there used to be a, um, an assumption that apprenticeships were um, only, they were kind of like the less academic subjects that, that were covered by apprenticeships, um, subjects that required more of their kind of practical um, experience rather than um, the academic side of things so and I thought it was I thought apprenticeships were just for school leavers as well and so when when my dad said you know we'll have a look at apprenticeships I was like what <laughs> uh okay I don't think I'm gonna find anything useful there but I'll have a look um but anyway when I started looking at apprenticeships I could not believe the amount of opportunity that there was um and that they went all the way up to level level seven apprenticeships I yeah it was just astounded by the um the breadth of um options that there were um and so i i started looking at that and um yeah was drawn to the chartered accountancy um level seven apprenticeship um mostly because it fitted with the the kind of business that my dad runs and i could see that there was opportunity there um but i think i I did some research into what accountancy involved um, and discovered the, again, the, the level of opportunities that a qualification in accountancy can offer and was amazed. <laughs> again, I think, I think having been used to a career that has got quite a narrow um, scope for branching out, um, it, it seemed like the opposite of that. It, it seemed like by by getting a, a qualification in accountancy, it, it opened up opportunities rather than narrowing them. Um, and so that's that's why I just decided to go for it. So so many interesting things there. I'm just going to go back to the fact that that your dad 
was running a forensic, still does run a forensic practice. And, and for people that don't know, forensic accounting, I think, is one of the more glamorous areas of our profession. It's using accountancy and financial and data skills to look into and investigate crimes or provide evidence for court cases. And something that when I was studying and in, in the early stages of my career always sounded really, really exciting. And the, the, the juxtaposition, the contrast of you going to your dad and him saying, oh, actually, yeah, we need someone to do the payroll, which in my experience is probably <laughs> one of the, the more, um, I don't want to say boring. We should stop saying the word boring in the context of accountancy. Accountancy is not boring. And I know people that, that do actually do payroll. My, my <laughs> wife still does the payroll for the organization that she works for. Um, but we had a quick chat before we came on air, Laura, didn't we? And I said, I always think payroll's a bit of a thankless task. It's very um, compliant. Some people will dismiss it and say, oh, it's just the payroll. But if it goes wrong, it's actually really, really significant. It's very important for the people to be paid the right amount of money and at the, the, the right time. Um, and I'm getting lots of comments in the chat box now about payroll. So I'm going to shut up before <laughs> I say any more there. Um, well, Laura, you said that it was um, you found it actually really exciting, interesting. What was it about about payroll that you you in, you enjoyed? This what, what was it there behind? I know I know my friend who does um, things like the payroll journal. She loves the fact that she is one of the few people in her organisation that gets to just see how much everybody else earns. So there's the kind of like nosiness in her that enjoys being able to have that information. Information. So I wondered what it was that, yeah, in particular that you enjoyed I, I don't know if it was just the case that it was something new and different <laughs> it was so, it was so different from my other days that I spent in in school in the classroom so like novel and refreshing and um I could it was it was satisfying that I could do a day's work and um you know, there was this new starter who needed putting on the, the system. And then I did my thing and he was on the system and he was going to get paid that month. It was, it, yeah, just very rewarding in, in small ways. Um, but yeah, I think the novelty of it, probably, to be honest, um, in the early days. Satisfying is a great word to have used, actually. And I think the, there is a, a, a finite task with payroll, I guess, isn't there? We've done the payroll this month. People have been paid the right amount. Everybody's happy. And you get that closure. Um, yeah. Really interesting. And I'm not saying in, in the world of teaching, you weren't being satisfied, but actually it's a bit of a longer term process. It's and I guess after different. a while you get sucked into actually, yeah. are we seeing all of the positive outcomes yeah. as regularly as we would like to, and maybe feel a bit out of control of that sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know in my head and my heart that I made a real difference to the children um, that I taught, but it's very difficult to see that. Um, and there is something satisfying about, um, yeah, getting a zero. Um, there's something satisfying about getting a zero in in accountancy when you when you balance it all off. Um a payroll control uh, account balancing exam. Yeah. Oh, any that. control <laughs> account then let's start you know do even an exam question when you've got like a statement of financial position or aka a balance sheet and the thing balances or you clear that suspense account <laughs> it's still that little little yeah. hit of dopamine almost isn't there that yeah. satisfaction of yes yeah and got I, was, it right. I, was, I, I was actually going to talk about exams a bit later but, but while we're on the subject I think um 
there's a lot of talk about um exams and whether they're good for children or not and and you know the, there are arguments for you know various different points of view with that but one thing that does make it difficult when you're dealing with young children is that there is the absence absence of grades um primary education is moving away from from grading pupils which makes it all the more difficult for um for children and teachers to get that kind of sense of yes we did it um yeah, that's that's perhaps a separate thing, but um, but yeah, satisfying is, is a good way to describe the way the way I feel about accountancy having having made the change. Really interesting. We'll come back to the the grades and maybe more from a data perspective, which is something I can see your eyes light up every time we, we bring something <laughs> back to a, a number, which is a good sign for a, a trainee accountant. Um, mm. I just wanted to pause and just take a, a point to say to students: um, payroll is a route Laura's used to get into the profession. And actually, it probably is quite a common route. A lot of people, I used to do payroll when I first started. It was one of my regular tasks in the role I first took on when I entered the profession. And I don't think you're alone there, Laura. And very much looking for that as a potential opened some doors and avenues. Because if you can do the payroll, it shows an element of numeracy, reliability, commitment, and it actually can unlock other things. I'm, I'm not crime people that are, are professional career payroll processors but it, it's quite often used as a, as a bit of a, a step stone the other thing you mentioned was apprenticeships at this point I feel remiss of me to talk about it I should pass this one clearly over to Kelly who is much more experienced with me off the top of your head Kel do you know how many apprenticeship standards have been approved this is really putting you on the spot oh well not outside of accountancy Ben come on there must be it's got to be a few hundred hasn't there now um but in my other job that I do part-time outside of FI I have had the the pleasure of being able to go to other training providers and actually see some of the other higher level apprenticeships things like the level seven senior leader for example um, as you said Laura you were quite surprised to see these degree level masters level apprenticeships now being on offer and that that is something that is quite new isn't it really since the apprenticeship standards came in and is opening the doors to um, lots of other people who wouldn't have thought about those those routes those career options so it is really good to see that it's not just about necessarily a school leaver or a more vocational role there are lots and lots of different apprenticeships that, that are out there I think it's still a big misconception I actually think the the children or or younger adults in education are probably more aware of this just because they've been maybe brought up more with it being talked around and I think schools have done a lot better in the last couple of years to talk and, and upskill their knowledge in apprenticeships but but for people of a, a slightly older generation maybe they don't understand that there are different levels to apprenticeships for example that an apprenticeship is not the same you can do in accountancy you mentioned that the ones that we're more aware of, Kelly, so we can do level two, we can do level three, we can do level four, we've got a standard at level seven. And I think people are at risk of just saying it's an apprenticeship is all the same, but they are clearly not. And they are pitched at different academic levels and different start points for, for people coming in. 
I'm sure you've seen it, Ben, haven't you? In class with the apprentices that you're teaching, we're seeing a much wider, wider range. And someone's just asked in the chat, does the age limit of 25 apply? No, that that that's that's gone now. It is about it's about the apprentice being in a position where they need substantial new knowledge, skills, and behaviors. And through that apprenticeship journey, they will be able to, to gain to gain that. I was just thinking, actually, I was talking to another primary school teacher who's now made the move into working for an accountancy practice just earlier this week, who will be joining us on our apprenticeship scheme in, in, Janu in January. Um, I've even had, I think, a solicitor who decided to career change into, into accountancy much later on as well. So, yeah, as I reflected, I was thinking we've got quite a few apprentices in a similar probably story to, to Laura, different backgrounds. Did, did age 25 used to be, did it used to be mm. an upper age limit? Yeah, yeah. A few a few years ago, it's probably at least five years ago, I'm thinking, you know, the apprenticeship levy has been in since about 2017. Mm. I think the level seven was approved in about 2018, was it now, Ben? I, we've been doing it for quite a few years, haven't we? But yeah, prior to that, it was. And that's probably where we're still seeing the hangover, the sort of mm. the stigma attached to um while apprenticeships are, are for and it, it's, it's like shifting an oil tanker in the education system to get the schools to realize that actually um apprenticeships is a a, a real valid option rather than just university and for career changes too one of the there's lots of benefits of apprenticeships and, and that's maybe a topic for another podcast kelly thinking about it we can maybe do a bit more of an awareness one on apprenticeships themselves but one of the big benefits of apprenticeships are the the linking between the knowledge the technical knowledge of the industry and the the, the, the business that you are going into but also the skills and behaviors of the individuals and what would be expected of those individuals and so that links us on to the next topic that I really wanted to ask you about, Laura, the, the skills and behaviours that maybe you have come into accountancy with from your previous background. Is there anything that you think when I, I first started working with, with dad at the, the practice, actually, that was a, a skill, a behaviour that I'd already? Yeah, d definitely. Um, I mean, I think the obvious ones of um, time management, um, that's probably a, a an obvious one you know as a teacher I, I was saying to um Ben earlier that that since I started a, a job in accountancy time seems to go much more quickly because um as a teacher you have to be constantly looking at your watch thinking what am I supposed to be doing in three minutes time um so my time management skills are, are pretty hot <laughs> um also uh, dealing with people um I'm used to as a teacher um having to deal with um the demands of lots of different um you know stakeholders within this within the school environment so um pupils have certain needs their parents have certain needs senior leadership team has you know different requirements from um from us as teachers and um and so those skills of dealing with um different people on different levels um uh, is definitely transferable as well um, one thing that I, I have noticed is actually in my studies, a lot of the, the course content is um, stuff that I already know as well. And that has been a massive surprise to me. I could not believe it when I saw Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know about this. I know all about this. Um, that was that was quite a, a, a nice moment. Um, and, you know, some of the chapters in, in some of the the modules about um individuals and teams and how people work together um has been uh, familiar 
really, really great. And that there is clearly transferable. There is clearly overlap in those skills and something that I think people maybe dismiss a bit about themselves, particularly people that are looking to come into our profession and applying for roles. And yes, you might not have got the technical experience or the technical competence yet, but everything you've mentioned there was nothing to do with accountancy or finance specifically. They were genuine life skills that I think people maybe don't play enough in their applications, in their interviews, when they're going for roles. And what you did there was gave some really good examples, some tangible examples of skills that you've used before, but how you could relate it to a new role and, and a position. Um, I suppose the, the most accountancy related skill that I um, have found has been quite transferable is um, the use of data. Um, because in teaching, we, we obviously had to keep track of the children's progress and um, their, their attainment and things. And, and I really enjoyed that, which um, I think made me a, maybe a little bit anomalous as a teacher. I think most teachers don't like that part. <laughs> They'd rather, you know, be doing the teaching. But, um, you know, whenever I was presented with a, a spreadsheet in a staff meeting and asked to look at data, I was all over that. <laughs> like, oh, oh, data. Um, yeah, so that, that was that was one one skill that was um, I think yeah I yeah bit bit more related maybe. <laughs> That's um it's something that and you are right it is quite an unusual kind of um passion almost I can hear in your voice there with with the the, the use and the inquiring mind of data. Um, I've mentioned on previous episode of the podcast I remain a, a governor at a, a local primary school and I'm quite a novelty in some of those governor's meetings where I will really get excited about data and, and want to go into it in a, a bit more detail or, or look at some of the trends and patterns. Kelly, what's your experience of, of those data skills? See, I, I was going to say, actually, in my role now, I'm like the opposite of probably Laura. I, I don't really enjoy, Ben, having to do the data stuff. I've got to, I had to put together like a budget um, for payroll, actually, um, to our, for our board meeting on Thursday. And it's just, I don't actually really enjoy the day-to-day -day accounting stuff which is very odd to say isn't it for someone who is actually trained as an accountant which is probably why I went the other way and went into the education side because my father was a head teacher see whereas I, I've literally done the opposite probably we are the opposite. Laura we are the opposites um so yeah I, I don't enjoy it Ben it's not for me I, I <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can do it but that's probably why I'm doing this job and I don't work full-time doing what I'd call normal accountancy but I love exam questions so there's something very odd I just I, I really enjoy the exam questions particularly around financial reporting now even though I started as a strategy tutor so there's something strange about me there then enjoying the <laughs> enjoying the question practice with students that you do together on revision courses we will come back to it. Both of you want to talk to, about exams quite clearly. Tonight. We will come back to exams in a moment. But if I could just pause at one point to talk about the, the experience you've got now beyond payroll, Laura. So what sorts of stuff have you been doing at the firm? What sorts of experiences have you had? Um, I'm, I've kind of moved from payroll into more of a broader kind of financial role um, since the since I first started, um, which has been great, actually, as the fact that it's a small business means that I'm able to um, become involved in perhaps more things um, than I would be if it if I were working in a in a more specific um, role at a bigger organisation. So that's been quite helpful for me. Um, 
I've been keeping the accounts, um, processing invoices, doing bank reconciliation, preparing VAT returns, um, developing some reporting systems. Um, I think the, the business is growing. Um, and so I'm kind of part of a team helping to, um, to move it from a small business into a more kind of corporate model, um, which has been really, really interesting to be involved in um, some of those discussions as well. Have you been able to apply any of what you've been learning then so far oh, yeah. through your qualification? Is there yeah, any couple of things definitely. that kind of really stand out where you think, oh, I can see that link now between yeah. the, the, the exam and the, and the real world? Yeah, I was saying to Ben earlier that um, I, I did the financial accounting module as the, my first exam with ACCA. And I can remember um, at the time saying to my husband, these question banks are really annoying because um, all of the content of the course tells you what good accounting looks like and how it how it works. But all the questions are all about what happens when it's done wrong and, and how to spot where the mistakes are and then how to correct it. It's really annoying. The questions are really hard and I can't do it. Um, but actually, in, in my role, what I've seen is that actually accounting is often quite messy and and to have those skills of being able to not only know how it should be done but to be able to spot the errors and and to know what to do um and that kind of prob problem solving aspect of it has been really helpful and I've definitely been able to kind of put into practice some of the um some of the things I've learned that, that's a real challenge and something that that lots of students speak to me about that the challenge of obviously in exams we are striving for getting the right answer because that's usually the, the route to getting the marks available to, to pass the exam and pass the questions that you're doing. In the real world, we want a high level of accuracy. We want things to be right. And the world of accountancy is driven by things that balance. You already talked about getting a zero was really um, exciting. Balancing off a, a T account, reconciling or making a trial balance balance, all of that stuff really, really satisfying and pleasing. The challenge is that, that the real world is messy. I like your your term messy. It is not an, an ideal standards world. Things are maybe not done to the, the finite level of accuracy that it will always exactly balance. Even the world of something like tax, which is very regulation driven, it's not always an exact science. And so that, that's a challenge. I think some, some people can deal with that quicker and maybe more easily than, than others. What, what's your tips on that one, Kelly? Have you, have you come across similar things with students saying, I, I want it to be perfect, and that actually is a bit of a, a barrier to progression sometimes? Yes, definitely. Um, I think sometimes that comes as well, not just from the nature of the work, but perhaps their own background of things that they've done, maybe at university or, or at school, and you suddenly hit professional exams, particularly at level seven, where you've got to get 50%, and being able to change that mindset of actually getting 50% under strict exam conditions, time pressure. It's about being able to work quick, quickly, accurately, and also prioritizing what you can and cannot do and accepting that there will be bits that you can't do. But that doesn't mean that you can't do your 
job because in the real world you would then be able to look something up you'd be able to ask for help it's it's testing a very different skill the exam isn't it? it's that can you work quickly accurately concisely under pressure but also to prioritize and I know when I did my exams that I was always someone who wanted to get everything right you know I was a classic you know I want to get a grade a because I didn't have a stars in my day um, and there you did have to get more than 50 percent to get that a but you, you have to change that mindset and I remember listening to my tutors and actually for once listening to somebody and taking their advice which is not normally something that I would do and once I changed that mindset um, it then made doing the exams a lot more pleasant as pleasant as they can be shall we say because it is an exam and it can be you know it's going to be an element of stress to it but you've got to change your, your mindset and, and listen to the advice your tutors are telling you they're telling you it for I, d- a I definitely need to keep on listening to that message that you've just said because I think <laughs> I'm, I'm still stuck in that mindset of striving for excellence and I think probably because exams are still a bit novel to me at the moment I'm like oh I've got another exam how exciting um but for me I'm still at the stage of oh yeah 50 is the pass mark but you know I've got my own level that in my head I you know is acceptable for me (laughs) um I think I need to learn to move away from that a bit (laughs) I think it's getting the balance right, though, Laura, actually by, you know, because if, if you fly too close to the sun, yeah. it's, it's going to be there's going to be an issue. So I think it's quite nice to maybe set yourself a target in your head of a little bit more than that 50, mm. but th- but not be disappointed if on the day, maybe there are the tougher questions and you were hoping for 65 you get 55. But if you manage to pass that first time, it's not beating yourself up about it. Yeah. So something you said, Laura, that I think is is really important for students to just understand was the the style of the question, not necessarily linking to the way it had been presented in your study notes and, and study text. And it's something I hear loads from students. And I, I think one of my, my biggest regrets on their behalf is probably they should have looked at the question a bit earlier to think, oh, actually, if that's how they're going to be framing and approaching a question, me just knowing how to get the answer because that's the way the textbook showed me to get the answer is not going to be enough. It's mm-hmm. a really high level skill, Kelly, isn't it, to actually almost reverse engineer the problem back out. And it's something examiners have used for many, many years and will continue to do, presumably. If I really want to test whether a student mm-hmm. does it know how to do something, I'm not going to ask them to do it. I'm almost going to say somebody's done it this way and there is a problem. Can you work it back out? Yeah, it is testing that deeper level of understanding, which hopefully is going to mean that actually if you've got that deeper level of understanding, it's going to be in that medium long term memory, which then means throughout your career you are then going to be able to remember it when the when the time comes but it often puts students off doing the questions in the first place doesn't it Ben because they're they're hard and we don't want to we don't want to go down that route but I mean Laura what's your sort of experience of being able to tackle those exam questions and overcoming that almost like fear of failure when you first look at them because they're hard and they're done in a different way yeah I think a lot of it for me having just come into the the realm of accountancy as well a lot of it was about the vocabulary that the questions were written in Mm -hmm. um 
it felt like sometimes a whole new set of language was suddenly God, used is, in a question <laughs> that I hadn't come across before. And I found that over time, the more questions that I've practiced, the more familiar that I've become with the vocabulary and that now it's a it's a language that I'm more comfortable with now that I kind of understand a bit more. Mm, someone's put in the chat box um, reading and rereading the questions um you know they they you know getting used to what those tricky tricky bits might might be within within them but it is a different language definitely I even remember that when I first started I was like <laughs> it's just all these words and I don't know that was just in general in accountancy by the time you chuck in the examiners as well it's uh we've, we've got this whole new language that we've learned yeah, it is. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether we've done that deliberately to make our world seem a lot more confusing to try and keep people outside. I hope that's not the reason. I'd like to think we are quite inclusive as a profession, but it is a big challenge. Reading the question is something me and Dave talk about a lot on the podcast. All of our tutors talk about that a lot in the classes and on the online delivery um, to really understand what's there. I suppose the challenge is we know that the exams are increasingly time pressured. And so that's the trade-off, isn't it? If it's going to take me three reads to understand what they were getting at, is that actually going to mean I'm not going to answer all of the questions in the exam? And that is a challenge for, for everybody, for us as tutors to, to help you prepare and manage, but but for you guys actually sitting the exams. How, how have you found the kind of balance between um, exactness versus time pressure of the exam so far, Laura? Um... Yeah, I haven't found it an issue, to be honest, so far. I think I've I've gone in all guns blazing and I've studied enough that um, in well, I've only sat two exams so far, but both of those I had time to spare um, and was happy that I'd done them to my, the best of my ability. So um, I don't know if that will always be the case. <laughs> um, I was going to say, Lloyd, is that down to your prep? Like, what, what do you do to prepare yourself so that when you're in that exam, you have that level of self-confidence? Because I think it's quite important, isn't it, to be able to have an element of self-confidence in an exam, which to me comes from knowing you've done the right, the right work. Yeah. How did you go about that kind of preparation so you're in that position? Um, I think I'm very dogmatic at... Um, identifying which areas of the um curriculum sorry <laughs> using a teacher word there which areas of the curriculum I struggle with and need more practice at so um I will go through the um so I've got for my next exam which I've got in December I've got some online live tuition booked for the beginning of December but I have already gone through the course material um online already I've already watched all the lectures I already know which chapters I struggle with um I already know which chapter I only got 29% on the question bank for so I know um which one I need to go back at again and I will reset all the questions for that question bank and do them all again um I, I'm just I'm a bit uh driven <laughs> can I just say uh, thank you fantastic Thank you for saying that, that you will reset the question mm. and redo them. Kelly, I don't know about you, but that's something that does frustrate me with students sometimes, this perception that I can't do the same questions again because I, I understand the answers now because I've done the questions. Well, I always turn that round and say, surely that's the point then of redoing them to confirm that you do now understand the, the, the answers. Is that something you've experienced as well, Kelly? 
Oh, they need to listen to that podcast that's on about long-term memory, don't they? That, <laughs> that I did a few months ago now. Absolutely. And it's, I think what's fantastic to hear, Laura, as well, is you've got, you've got the self-drive, you've got the motivation, you can, you can see what you're aiming to achieve. Um, and you're using the, you're using your time wisely. You know, you're, you're using those questions to identify what the areas of, of weakness are, but you're revisiting the stuff that you've got correct as well because it's that recall isn't it every time you know and again maybe it's the the teacher in you knowing the importance of that idea of recall and revisiting the areas that you get right as well as the areas that you you get wrong so it deepens it into the into the longer term memory do you think there's an element of your 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 background in education in terms of definitely I've I've spent years telling children what what they need to do (laughs) to um to do well in their sats um how to revise for a spelling test how to apply themselves and it's it's refreshing and really it's just a delight to be able to and a privilege to be able to put it into practice for myself now I'm loving it that that's a really interesting perspective particularly for me to hear um I've been the other side of a classroom today actually we've done some internal training at first intuition and so I've actually been in a class with somebody doing some some teaching and presenting to me. And it's it's really interesting to be on the other side of the fence, so to speak, and actually see some things. That I thought, actually, yeah, I've never really thought about that. So uh, as well as all the skills that you bring to it, is there anything that surprised you about studying, mm. going back to study now you're in the books yourself? Yeah. One thing that really um, surprised me, which which might come as a surprise, was um, the emphasis on safeguarding. I um it, it took me back a little bit all of the all of the talk about safeguarding and when I went to the um the center to do my exam there were posters up about safeguarding and I think as a teacher I've always had safeguarding on my mind and I I know how important it is but I've always looked at it from the perspective of adults safeguarding children um and the fact that I am now safeguarded just um it just took me completely aback um and yeah just feels very kind of I feel cared for and you know there were lots of ways in which I felt cared for in my in my previous career but I I'd never thought of safeguarding as um something that would help me before which was I think it's the language, isn't it, that's that's used because you do you tend to think if you think safeguarding, we tend to think of people who are who are children or vulnerable adults. I, th- I think there's probably almost a it needs to be sort of rephrased slightly differently in some ways, isn't it? It's about that welfare, that caring, yeah. isn't it, and looking after looking after you know you and making sure people are out there to look after your well-being as well. Um, but there's really it's, it's really an interesting and enjoyable part, I think, of the role, isn't it, Ben? Now we're in apprenticeships that there is this wider curriculum and emphasis on making sure that actually we're we're all looking after ourselves and and each other. It doesn't matter how old you are. It, there, it, are exactly. there are things that can go wrong in your life. There are the challenges that we can that we you know we might face, stresses that we might have to undertake or be exposed to. It's something, and Kelly, I know you're similar, that we've we've been actively involved in and um, are passionate about and, and see that passion in, in our teams as well. That, and also the students looking after their their own and each other's welfare. Um, obviously, the challenges that most of our students are facing are, are probably very different to the challenges of a, a primary school age child, but they are still challenges 
there are still lots of stress points. Last week's podcast was was a testament to that and, and other episodes we've done. But the stress of exams doesn't get any different just because you're you're slightly older. Um, that the, the stress of other challenges, that the, the stress of doing it alongside work. So I, I always think that's a really big stress, actually, when you're at school. Yeah, you can fail exams, but you, you're failing your exam and you, you might be accountable to your your teachers at school and maybe your, your parents or guardians at home but it adds another dimension to stress and we see that a lot with our, our students that if you're doing it with the conjunction supported of an employer adds a, another dimension to it um i'm very conscious of time and and we're at risk of overrunning but if i could just kind of ask one further question laura and then we'll do a wrap up and it kind of links on i guess the the, the slightly different challenges, and, and I know all of our students are different and are all in personal circumstances that are different, but there are common themes. I guess um, something I'd be interested to hear you um, talk about is the potential challenges of doing it alongside a family, because you, you have got a family. How, how does that fit in with the dynamic of studying? Yeah, so I've got um, three girls. Um, they are 11, 10 and four. Um, and so my youngest has just started school, which um, which does help. <laughs> um, but actually, the fact that I'm so I'm working on a, a self-employed basis at the moment, so I um, can, you know, work flexibly in the hours that that suit me, which is you know I know is a massive privilege to to be able to um, to do that, and I, I don't take it um, take it for granted. Um, but actually. For me, it's um, it's easier to fit this around my family than than it was to fit teaching around my family, which um, has been a massive plus for me. Um, but also, I think a, a really key thing for me as well is is the lesson it's it's taught my girls about um, lifelong learning, um, about not um, pigeonholing yourself, about um, not. You know, I, I no longer ask my children what they want to be when they grow up. Um, and yeah, I think I, by doing this, I've encouraged um, my children to, you know, maybe one day have the courage to do the same thing um, if they feel that that's, that's what's right. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of a job for life, that, that's gone now, I think. Um, I, I'll, I'll end with a short story, if that's okay. I can remember when my 10-year-old was uh, a toddler, she said to me one day, Mummy, um, when I grow up, I'm going to be an expert. Um, and I said to her, oh, really, are you? Okay, very good. Are you going to be an expert? She said, yes, I'm going to be an expert and a builder and a princess and a big bad wolf. <laughs> and I was like, yes you go do all those things <laughs> fantastic I, I love that thought of and I've never I've never had it put to me that way uh, asking children what they want to be when they grow up and and now you've said it I feel really quite ashamed that I've even thought in those terms uh, at parts of my life because I'm not quite sure what I want to be when I grow up yet so what, what would I want to, to be I still don't know Ben no, I'm, I'm still <laughs> still don't know <laughs> Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this evening. Thank you so much for, for sharing. It takes some courage to come on, actually, and, and share things openly in a forum of, of fellow students and studiers. So brilliant. And thank you so much for that. The stuff you've said, I'm sure there was lots there that people found interesting and, and things that they can take away, things that they can relate to, some perspective, maybe things they can see differently. 
Kelly, what's your final summing up thoughts for this evening? Is there anything that you would like to, to close on? Well, no, thank you again, Laura. I think it's been, it's been really interesting to, to hear your story. And I also love that bit at the end in terms of, you know, we are here to lifelong learn. You know, that there isn't one job is not necessarily going to be the job you're going to do forever. And that's also the beauty of accountancy. There are so many different routes and angles and job roles, even just within the finance sector, um, for, you know, for you to be able to find that niche and continue to grow and have that that challenge. So, Thank you for for sharing uh, your your tips and tricks, and I wish you every success as well in your in your future Thanks future career. Brilliant! Lots of thanks and love in the chat box for you as well, Laura tonight. So thank you, live studio audience, for your contribution in the chat box. Lots of of things resonating with the the juggling of family alongside study, alongside a, a developing career. Um, for the podcast listeners, thank you for taking the time to download. Please continue to share the link to the, the podcast with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family. Everybody is invited to download and listen. And if you think any of our topics would be useful for anyone you know, please pass them the link. Another final reminder, if you've been inspired by Laura tonight and you've got a story or a particular message or something you would like to come and share with us, please email myself. Kelly, Dave, you'll find all of our contact details on the, the FI website, but it would be lovely to have um, as many of you who want to come on and be our guest and talk about a topic area that interests you or that you're passionate about as Laura has done this evening. So stay safe, everybody, um, and join us next time on the first Intuition Student Forum podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.